Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Might help if I turn my mic on. Welcome to episode three with a six in front of it. 63. <laughs> Dialing home or not even, man, you know, one of these days, one of these times when you wish you could start over and do your show all over again, but it's live. Welcome to episode 63 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, if you tuned in for the uh, the, the Cliff Simon uh, tribute, uh, thank you so much for that. It's time now to, uh, as Cliff would say, you know, show must go on. And that was definitely one of the things that he believed in. So we're going to do the same here. So I'd like to uh, uh, bring in Peter Kalamis in just a couple of minutes here. Brody from Stargate Universe, one of my favorites. So before we do that, I would invite you to share this show. If you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm. It will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops. And you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on GateWorld.net's YouTube channel. So for this episode, I am going to be inviting you to go to YouTube.com slash DialTheGate to submit um, questions to uh, Peter live. And then I will go ahead and uh, get those over to him. And as I've got... I've got someone pinging me here, so I've got to stop that. And then before we bring uh, those questions in, I'll have a a conversation uh, with Peter here uh, as well. So without further ado, Mr. Peter Kalamis, Brody of Stargate Universe. Thank you so much for joining us on Dial the Gate, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How are you doing? How are things going? I, uh, I am good. I am good. I mean, obviously... We're all kind of reeling from the news uh, regarding Cliff, uh, which goes without saying. Mm-hmm. We're, all, we're all kind of processing that in our own way. But uh, <clears throat> I think rarely would you uh, and will you ever meet a person who enjoyed life uh, any more than that guy. Absolutely. Uh, he was the type of guy that you, you I never worked with him on screen ever. Uh, we were on different incarnations of, uh, of Stargate. And um so I never worked with him directly, but I did conventions with him. And um, what a guy! What a what an incredibly warm and, and wonderful human being, and he will be uh, sorely missed. Well, I appreciate you still going ahead and, and joining us. Part of me was thinking, you know, well, maybe I should reschedule with Peter, you know. And then I remembered you with Gary Jones at GateCon. And just laughing my guts out with the two of you on stage doing, I think it was, I think it was cabaret night 
And I remember just, just, it was so much fun. And Gary Jones, you know, had, I was like, he's met his match, you know, and I didn't think that that was possible. And you absolutely just about stole it from him. So I was like, you know what, let's have, let's have, go ahead and have Peter on after this so that we can have some laughs. So, so Peter, bark like a seal, bark like a seal. (laughs) And you mentioned Gary. I mean, we, we I did improv with Gary back in the old days at uh, the now defunct uh, Punch Science Comedy Club. So I was okay. part of the same improv group that used to work there. So uh, it was kind of, you know, dusting off the rust for me. I know Gary uh, still does much more improv than I do. So I was intimidated. But thanks for uh, thanks for the kind evaluation. Well, it, it certainly did not uh, look like it. So absolutely. Um, did are you a science fiction fan? I'm a huge uh, science fiction fan. And, and to the point where anytime, you know, uh, we have a 12 year old daughter. So, you know, g- getting in charge of the TV can be a, a challenge. Sometimes, <laughs> you know? what, where are we going to watch what she wants to watch? That's what's going to happen. <laughs> That's what's happening. But once everybody kind of goes to bed and, you know, you get the Netflix to yourself and all that, it's uh, straight to the sci-fi for me. It always has been. Uh, last night, I mean, I, I rewatched. It said, you know, continue watching Blade Runner. Yes, absolutely. Yes. The new because, one or uh, the old one? Uh, the, uh, the the sorry, the original. Yes. Why have I lost? And all you, six you, versions of it. TV, correct. Oh, there you are. Yeah, okay. you're all good. Absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah, the original one. The original. It's it's one of the greatest movies that are out there, you know. And I didn't see it until like the last like seven or eight years ago. I was like, man, did I miss something while I was growing up? So trippy, so, so trippy. And the cinematography is just—you could tell. I mean, even just like sometimes a single shot, you, you look at it in the detail. Is that, that somebody worked on that for weeks? Just everything was just—it was incredible. It's incredible. Isn't it creepy how much science fiction that came out? in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, has now become science fact? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, there's been a few articles about the Star Trek connection to everything from camcorders, to, which are now iPads or phones, communicators, all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Exactly right, right here. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, scanners that are handheld that can find, you know, a piece of metal in your body or <laughs> more... Uh, more substantial than that, but it, it's incredible. It's incredible. I don't know. You, I guess it's the old that does the horse lead the cart kind of thing. I think in in a way where people think, hey, wouldn't it be great to have that? Oh, okay. Well, let's work on that. I um, think it really does contribute to human uh, ingenuity, where we can will something into solid reality because someone else has paved the way. Of you know, wouldn't it be nice to do this? You know, there are a lot of different approaches to anything. We just have to put things together in the right sequence, you know, at the with the right stuff, and we make it happen. It's a exactly. little scary. It's kind of funny, too, when you think of certain shows like uh, Mad Men, and very, one, uh, the very, very early episodes. He's like, well, hey, uh, is this the only copy of this? Well, yeah, unless you got some kind of machine that can make another copy. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of space-age machine. What do you not? <laughs> um, so it, there's references of <laughs> to that all over the place but the, a lot of times you look back and they're hilarious absolutely how old were you when you discovered that acting was going to be uh your life when did mm. you when did you realize that you had the bug very early um i used to get in a lot of trouble at school because i used to watch 
the Carol Burnett show uh, was my was my big big thing. And my favorite part was at the end when they would ask her questions and then she would kind of answer off the cuff. Um, but watching people like Harvey Corman and specifically Tim Conway do their thing was that was just magic to me. I mean, it instantly it's like, oh, my God, that that's what I want to do if I can pull it off somehow. And uh, I remember this one quote. It was my. 1977, so I was like 11, 10, 10 or 11 years old, and we went to uh, a friend's birthday, and God bless his mother, she put up with all these screaming boys, and she took us out for dinner, and then she took us to Star Wars. Oh! The most magical night of, of my life. I, we, I mean, we came out of there. I, being an adult and watching Star Wars at, at that age was a mind blower, but yeah. you can imagine being 10 years old and watching it. And I remember thinking at the time, Cause all my friends were like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to be, Luke, you know, Luke Skywalker. And I actually remember saying, I go, no, it would be even cooler to be Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker. Right. <laughs> that would have been better than that. If, if there's such a thing. Wow. And when did you, um, were you in high school plays college? Where did you start doing? Where, when did you start getting your, your, uh, your feet wet? I, um, was can be very funny around uh, groups, especially friends or house parties. When I kind of loosen up, I, I'm a lot of fun. But <laughs> I'm actually smart. very, uh, I'm quite shy heading into new situations oh, okay. um, and new people. Even doing stand-up, I mean, I, there's a lot of time. I would be more comfortable in a room full of 300 strangers than meeting a new person for the first time often. Um, Why do you think that is? I, I don't know what kind of insecurity that <laughs> that. Um, that uh, that that says uh, I I don't really know I just I, I enjoy entertaining people I enjoy making them laugh you know when they laugh I, I just maybe it's just the endorphin rush of me thinking I've accomplished something I don't know where the mentality of it is but I just enjoy it so much you know or I enjoy people telling really good stories and uh, and recounting interesting characters they may run across in, in their daily life that I love that stuff I, I always have. There is something about connecting with a large group of people that is utterly infectious. And you're right. It is a high. There is a, there is a dopamine release when that happens, when you truly connect with a group of, of people. And other right. times, I mean, you've, you've done, you know, stand up. It's like, uh, oh, that was a bomb. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, there's some shows where you come out of there and you're like, what the hell happened? And it's sometimes the same material you did. Uh, on the early show the same night isn't and that it, weird and it killed it's and then the room on the late show hated you and and yeah, hopefully as you get more experience you you figure out how to correct those issues but uh they still have. peter who are uh your heroes personally in your life those those people who motivated you who you looked up to and professionally uh who helped you in in your journey whether you knew them or not Mm. it's funny it's such a it's a weird question because you got to almost figure out where the parameters are for something like that right um, yeah but, a lot I of people mean, say well you know heroes you know you know mlk you know if we want to talk about a hero but yeah i mean like more narrowly growing up for me it was watching these entertainers and and when i i remember when i first saw like the first peter sellers movie i was like oh my this guy's uh this guy's a god Mm. The, 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 
the commit not a commitment to character he completely transformed into a completely different person before your eyes and you never for a second doubted that that wasn't a complete uh being unto itself that it, that is not related to the to the actor um so people for me it was people who could perform and entertain and and, and things like that i mean if you go to another other level, I mean, there's the JFKs and things like that when I started getting into high school and, and learning about different uh, pieces of history and, and mm -hmm. things like that. But for me growing up, it was the, the entertainers. The, the entertainers were the, the, the biggest icons for me. They're, they're, they are the ones who lead the charge in, in, in transforming so much of culture. You know, yeah. and adjusting us as we go along and, and seeing what's uh, tapping into what's acceptable and what's not. And, you know, getting us to adopt new ideas, new thoughts for better or for worse. You know, it's uh, right. that it's a powerful thing. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one of those th situations where it's like, you know, when, when you get to be placed in, in an important franchise like Stargate, you know. Um, which has had such a positive effect on 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 people's lives over the years. It's just chicken soup. So much of it is just is just pure um, satisfaction. Uh, it's got to be like, okay, here we go. You know, it's 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 now my turn, and you know, let's make it let's make it good. Yeah, and when you say that, uh, I didn't maybe fully realize that until I started get, getting to conventions. Really, oftentimes, I mean, there were fans that were that were really. Uh, emotional when they, they would meet you but oftentimes uh, members of the military would come up to your table uh, many times in uniform and, and thank you you could see it in their eyes it was really a really heartfelt thank you like one individual said you know he was he was hurt uh during active duty and while he was recovering he would watch the show and it kind of helped not just help them goes that's what got me through and you're like wow that, you know, I, I'm a paid individual, I'm an actor, and I love what I do, and I love this particular show, you know, more than anything else. But uh, You're working. For it, yeah, but for it to have that kind of an effect on somebody uh, really meant something special. Was that something that you guys were aware of while you were filming the third incarnation of this thing? Um, I mean, subconsciously? I mean, I or, I mean, obviously you're not talking about it on set, you're, you're doing the work, but how... how... How visceral was that when you were in in the midst of the work? We knew, you know, based on the other shows, because the other shows at that time had been on uh, 17 years, maybe? Uh, it's been a while. Maybe yeah. about 15 years, 10 and, 10 and 5? Yeah, so it was 2009 that you guys came out, yeah. and SG-1 came on in, in, in 97, so yeah. Yeah, Twelve. So fairly. I think I'm fairly close to that. Uh, yeah. to that number. <laughs> so we knew how, how much uh, the military was even involved in the filming. I remember, um, gosh, was it Continuum when the, the submarine came up through the ice? Um, yes. And I remember, uh, I think it was at GateCon. Was it GateCon when, and I'm trying to remember, was it Brad Wright that was describing when they coordinated with the military as to how that was going to happen? And it's... Basically, you know, oh, we're going to send a laser from space on the, <laughs> to the ice. And then the submarine is up down there somewhere and it's going to shoot up. And it just so just kind of set up your cameras. And if uh, we get it right, then it'll come up here. And you're like, God, it's unbelievable. <laughs> if you feel a rumble, run. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, we knew, we knew that the, the military really appreciated the show. And I think uh, they were treated very respectfully within the franchise. And um, that's probably why they, it's such a good uh, association between the two. Your first appearance in Stargate SG-1 is in Smoke and Mirrors as Dr. Brett Langham. Yeah. And there is a great scene between you and Christopher Judge. Yes. Uh, it's just a pure intimidation and tactics scene. <laughs> And there, there is humor there, you know. There's, there still is humor there, even though the guy absolutely comes off as scared, s-less. You know, that, tell, tell us about about getting cast originally. I, I re- getting cast was a. Uh, here's a story. I, I auditioned for Stargate so many times to the point where I, I couldn't. I never got hired. Never got hired. And I literally told my agent. Um, he called up and he said, "You know, do you have another audition for Stargate?" I was like, "What? Why?" Let's just say no, because I'm not what they're looking for. I don't, I don't know what they're looking for, but I'm not, I'm not getting it or, or something's not working. Mm-hmm. Let's save everybody a whole lot of time here, <laughs> including them. And instead of me uh, going in and not getting the gig, how about I save some of their time, not go in and not get the gig? How about we do that? And everybody saves, uh, you know, an afternoon. And he was like, no, no, go in. And, and I went in and it was Peter DeLuise was directing the episode who I uh, absolutely love. And I, uh, I mean, I kind of quickly developed a Peter DeLuise impression that I would crack. <laughs> and I did it in front of him all the time. So it wasn't like, <laughs> but he, cause DeLuise would come at you with direction. It was like stilted little words here and there. And then you didn't quite understand. And then he'd yell action before you had time to figure it out. Right. So like, Okay, a scene where you're going to come in, you're going to look out uh, uh, the window, and you see something out there that's coming at the ship, and then you run for help. And, you're like, and then he would come in and go, okay, so you come in, you see the thing, you look at what I do, and then you go in the dish in the action. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell am I doing? Somehow it all works. You, you, you learn how to understand Deloisian. And, uh, oh, that's great. Then it, it's cake. It's cake from there. It's a cakewalk from there. So I went in and uh, God bless him. He was directing that episode and I had auditioned, like I said, so many times. I think I auditioned for Andy Makita and all these mm. great directors that I eventually ended up uh, being lucky enough to work with. But So Peter cast me and I finally got in. And there's a scene, like you say, with Chris Judge. And I, I've been captured. I, I was... manipulating these uh, mimic mimic devices and I got caught. So I'm in an interrogation room and it's really dark and it's uh, intimidating. And then DeLuise comes in, right? And says, okay, so this guy is coming in. He's very large. You don't know what's gonna happen. Go. (laughs) And then we do it. I don't even think uh, Tilk has a line. I gotta rewatch it. I don't think he says anything. It's just, I'm That's the, the point, yeah. Intimidated. He's answering questions like a Muppet because he <laughs> okay, I did it. And then I did that. And all he does is, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he says anything. So we did it a few times. And uh, DeLuise is trying to get the, the, the inner emotion up for me. Like, I'm already scared, but he really wanted to peek it. So on the final take, he comes up to me and he goes, okay, this guy's here. He locks the door. It's just you and him. And there's a big possibility he could rape you. Action. And that's the take they used. <laughs> <laughs> the 
Chris Judge just hovering over you, and it's like, all right, just get this over with. The things that directors do to get a performance. <laughs> Hearing some interesting stories over the years, and that absolutely does not surprise me from Peter yep. DeLuise. You know, he is yeah. a force of nature, and you well, just get out of his way and do what you can to help him. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy guy. Jeez, that sounds about right. Did you get a sense of the workings of that group of people that would carry into SGU at that point? Um, I think yes and no. I mean, SGU, um, it felt like Stargate, but it was a different, clearly a different Stargate mm-hmm. uh, in tone and in, in look and feel camera movement, everything. Um, the gate was there. So you had an instant familiarity with the show, uh, but it was a very different beast. And there was a couple of times where uh, very prominent cast members from the previous uh, uh, series guest starred on, on SGU. And mm-hmm. sometimes it looked a little stilted because like, like uh, RDA was on mm-hmm. and he was like his jovial self cracking the jokes and stuff like that. And I remember a scene where he cracked a joke and then Louis Ferrer's, uh, you know, Lieutenant Young um, or uh, Captain Young. Colonel Young. Uh, Keep going up. Yeah, uh, Louis Louis Ferrer. (laughs) You're right. I remember Louis' face just like, so it was just this, (laughs) you could tell RDA was used to the jokes being, you know, lobbed over and received. And this time it was like, listen, I'm not even really here. I'm on a communication stone. You're seeing my consciousness. Your avatar, the, yeah. Home, so can we cut the shit? <laughs> so it, it it was a mix of things, but it was always really cool when somebody from the previous uh, series made it made an appearance. We loved it. What before I before we get to SGU. Um, you were in another uh, Stargate SG One episode, the following season, yeah. and unless you were listening for your voice, it would be easy to miss you under all that makeup. Right. You were a Hebridean character by the name of Coil Boren, who Coil was Boren. a race announcer for right. the Loop of Congarat. Tell I would us have how- to look that up too. I mean, I knew who the character was, but all that other stuff, you uh, you got it. The Loop of Congarat, yes, was uh, a, a Hebridean uh, uh, race, and you were one of one of the race announcers. And you l- must have listed seven or eight different fictitious products and sponsors. Uh, right. What What was it like under all that makeup and those? I think contact lenses, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what was it like putting all that on and making that show happen? Very different type of Stargate episode. Yeah. You know what? Under the best circumstances, getting under all that stuff and having contacts and all that is very, uh, very confining. And you can kind of get claustrophobic and all those things to make things worse. Uh, literally the night before uh, a friend of mine asked me to join their no contact softball league because they were short players. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I got to work in the morning, but it's just, you know, it's a 6 PM game. And it's a, you know, how bad can it be? So I go and it turns out uh, that this uh, woman uh, decided it was going to be contact without letting anybody else know. So I'm shortstop. The ball's coming to me. And she comes at me shoulder first. 
and breaks my nose over to the other <sighs> side of my face. No. Literally smashed. Uh, so off I go to emergency. And um, this is literally what happens. The doctor's like, oh, okay. Because my wife gets shows up there, right? Because I call her. And she's like, I'm in the waiting room. And I'm like, oh, you think it's broken? And it's way over here. The nose is over here. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's broken. Well, maybe it's just moved. No, broken. <laughs> the doctor comes in. He goes, okay, well, we're going to have to push that back in. He goes, uh, I'm just going to give you a little bit of this. And he literally says, I, this is a quote. He goes, well, you're an actor. You're probably used to this. Just going to uh, give you a little cocaine. I'm like, what? what? So it's like cocaine, literally cocaine on a matchstick, and they swab it around in there because they're about to put his lower heel from his shoe on your face to move it back over. So he he gives me the coke, and I'm, that starts kicking in, and I'm like getting all excited. And, hey, wow, feeling good. Right. And I'm running around the emergency room, ripping over curtains from other people. Like I don't even know who they are. Hey, they're giving coke over here. I don't know if you guys are paying. They're handing it out for free. I know the guy. And then I open up a curtain and there's another actor, Michael Benyer, who's there passing a stone. Oh, God. But, but out of nowhere, there he is, bloated out to here. And I, there's Kalamis high on coke opening up the, hey, Michael Benyer, I got coke over here. Literally, that's what's happening. So they, he comes back, they push the nose over and they have to put a metal brace over my nose. And then I get home and it's near like 11 o'clock right now. And I'm trying to call producers of the show yeah. to let them know. That my face has been uh, beaten, and I'm trying to make these calls uh, with the coke in my head. And uh, <laughs> I got to with some people. I don't even know what I said. I don't even know what I said to this thing. Like, what? What the hell are you talking about when you called me? I called you. Um, so I show up on set, and God bless the producers. They all came in one at a time in the makeup chair, and I still had this metal, full metal brace on there. And I think it was John N. Smith who. Yeah. was a producer, but nobody ever saw him. He was yeah. like the snuffleupagus of the series. <laughs> That's right. You knew him by name. Nobody had ever seen him. But I guess he heard that Kalamas busted his schnoz, and out he came, out of hiding. Comes down, he looks at me, and goes, oh, wow, yo, yeah. Goes, yeah. When I was younger, I broke my nose. I said, look at this, look at this, look at the movement on there. So he turns to the special effects makeup uh, person and, and says, have we ever seen this? species of alien before and they're like no there's the first time they go okay well they're gonna have a big nose so they, <laughs> they constructed the, the entire makeup over the metal brace wow so, so you were wearing it yeah i'm still wearing it i had to do all my scenes uh, i mean i there was no time to get anybody else i, I mean i i think from a realistic point that would have wow. been a better plan but they had no time this was late at night we're filming in the morning i know man so off we went and, and, you know, uh, being in all that makeup, we kind of did all our scenes in a row and we had multiple scenes and multiple little snippets. And I was working with Colin Murdoch, who's another Vancouver actor who's fantastic and very, very funny. So it was good being with somebody that I knew and, uh, we got wow. through it. But if you go back and watch that episode, the you, nose is, the extra. nose is much larger. I'll be darned. Look at that. Yeah. There's a full nose, broken nose brace. Under, yeah. Under. It's, it's interesting because the, um, the race was introduced in, in season six, but the human Hebridean hybrids had, hybrids had never been seen before. Right. So that was like a real, that's a real, because you actually have hair there underneath there. Yeah. And you're all, you're all up in Cokeland. So, yeah. <laughs> or, or coming down from it. Coming down. Coming down from it. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. 
Yeah, what, um, you know, doing, uh, going under all that prosthetics is, is hard enough, you know, and, and dealing with just things happen, you know, in your personal life. And th th that was so cool. I've heard story after story where, you know, the Stargate uh, production team said, okay, so this is how it's going to be. So we'll just make things work. <laughs> you know, the show must go on. Yeah, the show must go on. And um, they were all very, very nice about it. They kept checking, you know, are you okay? You need a break? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Jeez, man. Tell us about auditioning for Adam Brody mm -hmm. and the journey that was going to be destiny. Yeah, it was late in December and my agent called and said, uh, they're doing a new Stargate series. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Um, so there's a role that came up and they want you to go in and report. So I went in, uh, read for it, and uh, that was it. Went home. Uh, new Christmas happens, New Year's Eve, uh, all that. You kind of forget about it. It's the end mm. of the year. You rarely do you audition that late in the year. They usually shut things down, like mm -hmm. mid-December kind of thing. Uh, and the agent called. It was around January 4th or something. It was very early in the year. And she says, oh, they want to see you again for uh, the, the Stargate show. And I'm like, which one? Which one? Right. She goes, the Stargate member? I, I don't. And the, the scientist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I go in and Andy Makita was there. And I and I did the scene. And he's like, uh, that was great. You know, thank you for coming in. That's it. And uh, halfway home, I got the call. And they go, uh yeah, you got it. I'm like, great. And then it goes to, okay, well, how many, how many days work is it? Because we didn't know. We, we right. didn't know. And as the show went on, I mean, we, I nicknamed it Survivor in Space because we, <laughs> we didn't know who was going to yeah. die off and, you know, which character was going to commit suicide or fly through an airlock or we didn't Be know. turned into a data stream in the Destiny computer. We, we, yeah, we literally, it sounds funny, but it's true. Uh, we used to, when they handed out new scripts for the next episode, sometimes they would be, they'd come off the press still hot wow. from the, from the uh, photocopier and they'd start handing them out and we would grab them, especially like me, Patrick, Gilmore, Jen Spence, the scientist crew. The trio. The trio. We would go to like the last page and start <laughs> going backwards to see if we were still alive at the end. If, You'd see your, your name on page like 118. You're like, yes, I made it, baby. I made it, you know, and, and, uh, that's what we would do. And then and even at the, at the very last episode of the first season, I remember looking at Gilmore and we were trying to analyze if we're coming back or if we die. And he was like stuck on the ship. And then I ran off with rush at the very end. So I was like, uh, well, I don't know what's going to happen to you, but I'm with rush. So I'm probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally how we would analyze uh, our existence as actors on the show. Um, but it was such a good time. I mean, as dark and as serious as, as the tone of the show was completely opposite as far as the acting behind the scenes. And, and when we had scenes together, like, especially in the mess hall, mm -hmm. we get in so much trouble because the jokes, we couldn't stop and just laughing and Ming Na's laugh. You could hear across the ship. Like, <laughs> loudest most if you if i've never heard a person enjoy laughing more yeah. than me and god bless her it's a wonderful sound if you ever get to hear it at that level oh it's great bobby carlisle what was it like working with that magician 
loved it. I was already a fan and, you know, going in there, there was a number of actors that I obviously was familiar with based on their work, like Lou Diamond Phillips mm -hmm. and, and Louis Ferreira. Um, and obviously Bobby Carlisle and, uh, he's just such a great straightforward kind of guy. I mean, he, he's just meticulous with the work. I, I don't, I don't think I ever saw him screw up a line once. He was always just so not just prepared, but just so good mm -hmm. in every little scene. I remember this one time he was, uh, in a kind of a dream state in, in the chair and they had yes. the electrodes stuck to him. And I was describing what we were going to try to do to pull him out or the risks of disconnecting him, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing the scenes to the other actor and I would, you know, do the scene. And I would look back at Carlisle in the chair who had low, no lines. He's in a coma. And I saw him do this, like just, so he's having a conversation while he's under moving his lips. That's something that I don't think 99% of actors doing that, that shot would think, Oh, well I'm in his mind. He's somewhere else. He's having a conversation and his mouth is moving, which is like, it was such a little thing, but I remember being right there going, damn, look at this guy. Like it's he's just, still acting. Yeah. He's still acting being a corpse on a chair. <laughs> For all intents and purposes. Yeah. That's good. Wow. Elena Huffman had said when she first met him that uh, he was very quiet and yes. like had almost like like a mumbling uh, uh, reach with his voice. And that with the Scottish accent, she was like, oh, my God, we're screwed. No one's going to understand this guy. And then the cameras rolled and his presence was right there, you know, and he just it just came out and just like, oh, I get it now. OK, yeah. You know, it's just a transformation. Actually, yeah. Uh, he actually toned the Scottish down a little bit for... <laughs> for uh, for American um, audiences? Yes. And the only reason I know that... Well, working with him every day. But, I mean, uh, knowing that... At one time, he had his one of his best friends visit from Scotland. And we were outside of the trailers. And then, you know, like when old buddies get together, like old drinking... Right away, it's like, oh, that's my mate here from Scotland. Hey, Chris, how you doing? It's like, oh, just take him to visit Bobby. And then it's like, oh, just we, <laughs> we tried to each other. We didn't understand a word, but <laughs> that's great. Jeez, man. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a wonderful cast of characters that you guys that you guys had, and you know, it's uh, uh, man, so many more stories were supposed to be told, but I loved yeah. the shorthand between you and Jen Spence and Patrick Gilmore, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 the repartee back and forth, ping, ping ponging between all three of you. And then, you know, you've got David blue on one side and you've got Carlisle on the other, and then all the military officers all around. They, it was, it was a treat to get to get to see all of these parts moving in different unexpected ways. The dialogue was just brilliant. Thank you. And they, I mean, I, I started doing, I'm sorry, my dog's running around here. No, it's all uh, good. We love dogs. And, um, they didn't know that I did stand-up. I mean, I, I started doing stand-up when I was 18 years old, but they had no clue, the producers, that I did that. Um, and I remember being in the, the lunch lineup one day and it w with uh, Patrick Gilmore, and then uh, Joe Malozzi was in front of us. And I don't know how it even came up in the conversation. He said, well, now, when's your next show? And 
Pelosi turned around. And he's like, what, what show? What are you talking about? He goes, well, he's, he does a stand-up, stand-up comic. And he's like, what? And after that day, they it's almost like I had a bit of a license to kind of screw around a little more. <laughs> that whole episode when uh, Volker was getting the, the kidney transplant. And yes. All I was about to bring it up with the batteries. With the batteries and all that. I literally, I just did that in rehearsal. That's not in the script. I just did the rehearsal with the batteries. The cast was trying to hold it together, but all I could hear what were the producers over there cracking up. And then they yelled cut and they came running over and said, do, do that again. <laughs> that, that thing that you did, one more. Because it was literally, I thought they were going to go, okay, you got to cool it with the extra. <laughs> but uh, they let me do it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, he. <laughs> did you have any recommendations on the song or was that in post um no you know what they were gonna they ended up using that but originally they were gonna use what was they gonna use also sprock zarathustra i'm sure that was a part of it because that was a part of the episode but yeah, no, uh, no, the, no. the song that comes on instead right no that's yes you're right that that is what they were gonna do that is what they were going to do. And then the yada yada he, which I think worked out better because of the ridiculousness of this. Right. <laughs> Jeez. And I remember I, was, I knew I was milking it too much when I think I, I doing the batteries and I'm trying to get them out looking over. And I think it was, uh, um, I think it was Elena Huffman when I looked over and I'm doing it for so long. She actually had to take another breath. That's how long I would take. <laughs> and then she, <laughs> and, uh, I'm just waiting for him to yell cut. <laughs> Elena, you know, I say it every once in a while. I I would have loved to see her take command of the ship more often. She had a presence about her. She could have run that ship. She was a badass character. So she was just great. Yeah. Just Absolutely. I wanted to know uh, what it was like to wear this bad boy. I, I'm just, I was admiring all your stuff uh earlier on and I'm, wow thank you i'm not sure if, if that's the one or not because there were three of them but I, I don't know i don't know but i was one of the earlier earlier not the earliest earlier people to wear it, mm-hmm. it was the, the scene of me and, and riley when he uh, gets blown up exactly uh, in the corridor there and um so we wore those and they were you need like three people to put them on you just kind it's of crazy just mannequin yourself and then they it's like a, a, a human version of iron man you just go like right. this and you can clink 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 <laughs> you together and then the last thing is here put this mask on so when the, we put the mask on and it was so hot um it, it was really cooking and to the point where the second they yelled cut they had to rip them off and we had little fans and stuff give you guys and a break after that because i think me and I think me and Riley were complaining about it and being whiny about it. <laughs> Hague Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Just so much fun. Uh, they installed these mechanical little fans in the back part there with battery packs. And then so people, you know, so we took the hit for everybody initially. And then uh, everybody else got the. <laughs> like, we're, we're not doing that. They can. Yeah. You're going to have to put those in if you want us to put them on. Crazy yeah, we, stuff. We, you know, we suffered for everybody. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I have uh, fan questions coming in, and I do want to get to them 
uh, I want to start bringing them in and I'll, I'll come sure. back around to ask some more of mine here. Um, so I loved, um, Brody's liquor stand. I loved it. It was terrific. It, the, the parts of all these props were gorgeous. The steampunk style stuff. Yeah. I loved that telescope too, in that observation yeah. deck. Did you ever, have you ever uh, distilled liquor in real life? And if so, did it turn out better than on destiny? Years ago, I, I went to one of these make your own wine shop things. And uh, I don't know, I think it was uh, Chardonnay de Piss, because that's what it tastes <laughs> like. Horrible. Don't ever go to those things. That, that's, it's Kool-Aid. That was the name of it? No, no, I just made that up. Okay. That's what it should have been called after Got I tasted it. Don't ever go to those things. You know, buy, if you want an inexpensive, inexpensive bottle of wine, go buy one. It's like Kool-Aid crystals in wine bottle. It's horrible. So I've never done it beyond that. Uh, no. <laughs> Jeremy Heiner. Oh, by the way, it's a font. <laughs> <laughs> right? I love hearing it. I love hearing it. Great moment. Uh, did you have any input into um, the script there, into naming uh, the country Futura? Futura? No. That, that's that something was, you just received? Yeah, that was fully scripted. Um, again, going back to Deloise. Oftentimes he would look for the little things. There, there, was, a, right. there was a quick scene once where uh, I was on one of the consoles and somebody said something to me. And as they're walking away, we're talking about Einstein. And then he started coming up with these facts. So he just let the camera roll and goes, yeah, just do a whole bunch of lines in a row. And he gave me some things. And I'm like, yeah, just kind of like Einstein. He, he never wore socks. He never had a driver's license. He only bathed once a week. And I just, I don't know how many we did. And it was uh, one of these, you never, you never know what they're going to use. You know? Absolutely. What, yeah. Would you watch the show as it aired? Yes. Okay. Did you guys, did any of, of you guys have watch parties together? We did early on. We, we had a few of them. And after that, uh, it became more difficult because right. we, when it was on, a lot of times people were working or getting two set offset or whatever, what have you. So it was a little more difficult after that. When you watch it, are you hoping that certain takes are going to be used or is it like, Oh, they, they did go ahead and use that one or Hmm. Okay. I thought I did better over here. Or is it, is it such a, the work, such a wash of everything that, you know, you're just, you're just content to sit down and, and watch it. I, I give uh, directors, producers, and editors of that show credit because they, they, picked fantastic takes like every time I, I don't think i ever came out of there saying i wish they used that take and they didn't except once it, it was <laughs> it was towards the end of our su- or beginning of our summer break and um and one of the producers comes up and he and he said uh oh listen i don't know if you heard we're, we're gonna have you're gonna you have a shower scene i'm like what are you, ta- what are you talking about and uh, he goes, no, no, like when we come back, we're going to do a scene of the planet. We show Greer in this kind of beautiful um, mega fl- flourished planet of greenery and all. And then we, we pan back to the ship and you're like showing the really dungeony kind of conditions on the ship. And then there's you in the shower. And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. So that's it. Ruined my summer. There I am, waiting the whole summer, no burgers for Kalamas, nothing. No beer, beer, just nothing. 
And then I just, I was proud of myself because I probably got in the best shape of my life and whatever the month and a half we had off. And then we'd come back and I was so nervous because I'm not, you know, I'm not Brian J. Smith. I don't get a lot of shirt. <laughs> His shirt was always getting lost. Oh yeah. He could be, you know, going to a job interview. What about it if you had no shirt? What if, what if we do that? Right. Um, so anyways, I, you know, I, I got in shape, you know, still nervous. But when you get to set and you do a thing like that too, they, they, you know, the poor makeup gal has to come in with a series of banana hammocks, you know, that you got to choose from to cover up your parts. Right. You know, and she's like blushing and you're just like, I don't know that one. I'll wear that one. <laughs> really? The leopard skin. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Anyway, yeah. So I get the set, you know, and they're all set up for the shot that the thing and all that. And, uh, I remember, you know, you come in with a robe, like your Hugh Hefner <laughs> <laughs> with your leopard skin banana hammock on. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> I walk to the shower and they're like, okay, let's get ready. Let's get ready. And then they pull the robe, the, the robe off and it's just, you know, my ass is hanging out. And all I hear is Grizz, our camera guy go, like, screw you, Grizz. I worked hard on this. You don't know how hard this was to get to. Um, but they were all very gracious about it. And we did the scene in the night. When I got back to my trailer, they had this massive plate of like cupcakes and cookies. And, all this <laughs> stuff like <laughs> and they're like, get back to it. <laughs> Jeez. And I don't remember that scene. No. Oh, here, this is the best part. Oh, we we're, back, we're getting to it. Okay. First lunch, producers come by and they go, oh, yeah, by the way, that shower scene, we had to cut it. I was like, you have no idea how proud I was of uh, my work. So I don't know. Hopefully there's some deleted scenes thing. Absolutely. We'll get to see him scrubbing at some point. Get to see me, with uh, the mist. Scrubbing my buff Greek god body. <laughs> with the leopard skin. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Was it really leopard print? No. Okay. <laughs> in, my, in my mind it was. The things you I'm wonder here. about Adam Brody. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Jeez, man. Uh, uh, Scotty 0709 how many takes did you need for that scene before vocal surgery and the music changed to the Numa Numa song there we go yeah how many times did you actually shoot it just the once and then the rehearsal I think we did the rehearsal and then I think I it wasn't very many I think I only because uh, the camera was just kind of on me for that whole segment there. <laughs> and then they got other people's coverage uh, where I wasn't allowed to drop the batteries but I had to mime it <laughs> of course we did like two or two or three maybe two uh that's oh, fair Gil- gilmore was laughing the most because he was just supposed to be under almost you know right and then all he yeah. was just like, they're he gonna start slicing him up yeah he couldn't hold it together though goran and danowski uh with which actor did you have the best uh working relationships who did you find yourself gravitating with more um from uh uh, from just a, a human to human standpoint, you know, uh, probably Patrick Gilmore. We became very, very good friends during the shoot. Uh, we're both Vancouver actors, but we had mm-hmm. never auditioned before and knew of each other, nothing uh, before, which was kind of odd because um, you usually run into uh, relatively the same people in the same city. Performing. It's a small city. Yeah, it was yeah. not so much anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we we became really good friends, and sometimes we'd pick each other up from work, take one car because. Mm. Most of the time our scenes were together or many times they were. And we really would, it sounds so goofy, but we, we would literally say like, this is the best job in the world. We have the best job in the world. 
we'd be pinching ourselves going, we're working on Stargate, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're making good money. We're yeah. working with great people. We're, we're having, you know, the best time of our lives. Like, is this it? Because if, if this is it, it's pretty good. So it was, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. What, um, where did the message go? Okay. Uh, Jet Ison, are there any aspects that you wish you could have re- uh, dived into in season three? What were you look f- looking forward to attacking next? Or were um, you just taking every script as they came? Kind of, you kind of take it as it comes, but I think uh, heading into maybe a season three or season four, maybe, I know they did kind of an Origins episode with uh, Greer, and, and it may have been a neat episode to have maybe an origin story of the scientists, you know, mm-hmm. you think that initially maybe that's not as exciting, but, uh, how did they get recruited? You know, right. how did you get recruited? How did you get to Icarus? Uh, I think that could have been an interesting journey, even as a B, a B storyline on an episode to uh, delve into. And then, uh, and then moving forward, we didn't know, we had rumors of where the show was going to go. Like we did reach earth. We didn't know, and that was kind of exciting to look forward to. Where do you think Destiny was going? Do you think it was heading back to Earth? We were closer than we thought? I, 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 yeah, I do. But I think uh, after spanning the, the big divide, I think there was a lot to uh, take in once we stopped. Whole new galaxies, whole new, new universes, whole new aliens, whole new everything. I think there was a lot uh, to delve into, and I, and it was I think it was getting really creative, and uh, it's a shame we didn't get to tell more of it. I think you know I I was so invested in that story, and when when it got pulled early, it just carved my heart out with a spoon. Um, yeah. Did you know from the get go that the series uh, had had two seasons? that sci-fi greenlit it for two seasons or was that something that you found out when, Oh, we're getting a season two now. We're going to go ahead and do it. Well, initially we, I was again, part of the scientist crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a big cast. We had like that, like nine regulars. And then I think they were five recurrings, I guess, if you want to call them. Mm-hmm. That. I mean, I was listed as a guest star every episode. Um, just kind of the way logistics of casting and stuff go. Uh, so we, we found out, remember being there when I think we were finishing episode 10, I think of season one and all the regulars started kind of cheering and high-fiving each other. And we're like, what, what's going on? They're like, we, we got to episode 10. And I'm like, yeah, but there's no 20. And they're like, no, no, they had up till 10 to decide if they're going to give us 20. Oh, and we're oh. like, oh, we had no idea. We had no idea. So interesting. And, and then after, I guess, taking it to 20, it gave them the extra season. Uh, or we knew we got renewed after that. And my understanding uh, was that Sci-Fi had agreed out of the gate to do um, two seasons. But it makes sense that they compartmentalized that information. So it's quite yeah, easy. So, no one knew that. No. So. And then we didn't know beyond uh, season two. And, and right. you know, there was a lot of weird things going on at the time with... Um, I'm amazed that the Nielsen system still exists in any form. Me too. It's very archaic. It's literally a horse and buggy system based on, uh, in, in a world of electronics and instant downloads and all that. It's so, it makes no sense. But we were a victim, I think, of partially of that. Um, you know, the, 
the download ratings and the live ratings, the live plus sevens, all, all these ways to calculate the show. And I think they realized afterwards there were a lot more people watching the show in the download form than were tuning in initially. And now when you turn on your TV with Netflix and everything else, Disney plus prime, all that stuff. I mean, that's just the way it is now. And I think if Mm -hmm. the show had been on now, nobody would blink twice. They would just go, well, yeah, we'll do another season or two because that's, this is how it's done. Yeah. Well, you, you, they were at this point, you know, we're, we're much more open to taking in those other sources as well. Don't get me wrong. The Nielsen's are still extremely important archaically. So, but uh, at the same time, we've really, I think SGU was, was developed at a point when a lot of this stuff was 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 crossing over into much more um, mainstream, you, you guys did a serialized story uh, yeah. much earlier before that was regularly adopted, and the yeah. tone of the show was a lot earlier, you know, than than what ultimately came later with a lot of other television. People were like, "This is awfully dark," and dark. Yeah. You guys were trailblazers. Yeah, I, I, I think, well, I say we, I mean, I, I didn't write or create the show, but the, the creators really had a great vision. I loved it. I thought it looked amazing. And But back to the ratings before I forget, people forget that traditionally Stargate uh, was on in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, so those ratings, you were up against, you know, a movie of the week. Or exactly. We, we were up against prime time. Mm-hmm. And prime time, like big shows. And for us to be doing and having being pulled in the numbers that we were was actually quite good considering the scenario, but people forget about the scenario that they think, Oh yeah, well your ratings were a lot less. We were up against the primetime show and we were on a cable channel. So only a fraction of people could get the show and we were still bringing in those numbers. So there's different ways to look at it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm going to address the elephant in the room here. You know, th- there was uh, a uh, perception that you had taken from Atlantis. So Atlantis, everyone was, you know, uh, uh, all the Atlantis fans were certainly uh, expecting a season six. And instead, they got a new show with a completely new, ni- new dynamic, a completely new texture. And it yeah. was something that a lot of people had uh, difficulty adjusting to. I agree. And the producers even said to us, to our faces, they said it was a mistake to essentially say, we're going to cancel this show, but here's the new show, basically, almost in the same breath. You know, uh, fans needed a chance to uh, digest that. and, and The understand. timing, especially, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, they agree that that was maybe not the best way to do it. And in retrospect, it probably wasn't. And it didn't help. I don't want to sound like I'm bitching about other no. people. Um, but there were some pretty substantial and, and well-known and primary cast members of uh, specifically Atlantis that came out and really kind of kicked us in the teeth out of the gate. Um, and I understand they were, uh, they were angry that their show was over with. Mm. I understand that. I've been an actor. I've been on cancer shows before. It sucks. But to attack us about it and, and almost when fans are already upset, and, yeah, and, when you're throwing gasoline. Cast members start putting gasoline on that fire. It didn't help us. And we knew about it. We heard about it. Mm-hmm. And we were upset by it. And specific. I mean, there's very specific people that did that. And I'm not going to mention who they are. You probably figure it out. But, um, you know, we, we got hired to do a show. And we were proud of the show. And we all worked really, really hard at it. And uh, as did the cast, uh, the rest of the cast, crew, everybody, producers. We all worked really hard. 
we had James well, Robbins. Robinson, oh, and, go go and, ahead. Yeah, sorry. And, and looking back at it, I'm I'm very proud of what we did, and I think it holds up over time. And I hope they keep teasing us with some sort of new incarnation, and whether that's going to reference back and complete our story, who knows what it's going to be. It may not have to do with us at all. It might just be a whole new thing. But fans deserve, I'll say it, three words. Fans deserve Stargate. They, they've been, they've gone far too long without it. And come on, guys, MGM, get it together. The fan base is there. What are you waiting for? SG4, man. Brad's, Brad's wanting to make it happen, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We were talking with James Robbins about a month ago, and... Man, he went to town on those sets. And Elizabeth Lee wants to know what was it like working on Destiny, you know, with the lighting and, you know, the 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 green screens and the props. You know, this this whole texture was just so cool. It was like being on a I, I got to walk those sets. It was like being on a submarine, an HG Wells submarine. It it really was. And it was so realistic that sometimes, you know, they'd call for lunch. And everybody would go and they'd say, oh, I forgot something. And I'd go back. And when it was completely empty, it was just... You were on that ship. You were on that ship. And you'd always hear, hear a humming of whether it's the ACs or something. And right. I, I said to people, I go, if, if somebody you know, bonked me over the head and I woke up on that ship, I'd swear to God I was on a, on a spaceship. Wow. I wouldn't question it for a second. The detail was unbelievable. Like I remember oh. in season two when we got to the bridge... And that was the first time we'd seen the bridge. Like, mm -hmm. I, I remember, I think, again, I think it was Gilmore. He goes, have you seen the bridge? I was like, no. And you had to go up a ladder. That wasn't even finished yet. Right. The construction to get there. He goes, yeah, you got to go up a ladder. Because they didn't want us calling. I mean, ladders and shit. Get hurt. <laughs> right. But we snuck up anyways. And we're like, oh, man, this is awesome. We're like kids at a candy store. Like, we would get excited about everything on that show. Just as much as the fans, if not more. Something new would come up. And like, man, did you check out the the shuttle we got a right. shuttle and then you walk into the shuttle and we're like this is the coolest thing ever and it shared it sh the shuttle door was shared with the bridge if i'm not mistaken you had you had the shuttle on one side and then you had the 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 door here and then the bridge was up here if i'm not mistaken on the other side so the the because the door had to go down because you were on well the top of the the top of the friggin' ship so that's right yeah <laughs> jeez what a cool set it was amazing so, Emily Cheatham, if they were to reboot the franchise, would you want to return, or do you think do you think that they should go off in an entirely new direction, if you could have your way? Uh, I would as, love just to, as an audience member. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would I would love to return for personal reasons because I, I love the show and I love everything about it. Um, new direction? I I don't know. I think it. Because there's been three franchises of the show, mm. I think some sort of baton needs to be passed mm. to whatever's coming next. Um, I, I don't know what the answer to that would, would, would be. I mean, at the, the selfish me says, okay, wind up the, the Destiny storyline and right. see how the ratings are going there. And if it's going well, you know, you can go down that path or if not, retire the ship and, and you could play it a little fluid uh but that's the selfish me because i'd love to come back um but i think it, people fans we stargate has been off the air for over 10 years now and and i think people need 
I think baton is the best word I can use. You need something to pass from there to here. Mm-hmm. You would need at least acknowledge that, uh, you, you know, you fans have been fans for years and years and decades. Um, and uh, we're going to honor that with honoring the past and moving forward. I think that I would be willing, as long as, you know, what happened with the Wraith in Atlantis was acknowledged and what happened with Destiny's Path was acknowledged. You know, yeah. if we could, if we could get... Um, some of those players back here and there to enhance SG4 in whatever shape that it's going to be. I could accept those. Um, yeah, those and, and again, I mean, we're as human beings, we're, we're, ah. all, we're all 10 years older. Yeah, we true. Went into the stasis uh, pods and, and they were yeah. broken. <laughs> yeah, they were broken. The in there. So, I mean, it's sci fi. You can explain off some yeah. of that. But um, as actors, we're 10 years older and, and in some cases, many pounds lighter. Yeah, lighter or, or maybe a couple pounds heavier. You're right. I mean, look at David Blue. He's a he's a god now. <laughs> up now. It's like, what the hell were you doing while we were asleep? You know, I finally got around uh, to jogging. Yeah, jogging around. The- <laughs> oh, sir, it has been such a pleasure uh, to have you on. And you know, I oh, I wanted to ask any more um, uh, movement in the Dragon Ball universe for you. Uh, no, but, okay. but, you know, they haven't asked, I mean, they, they, I get asked that a lot if, yeah. if, if I would do a guest spot of a character, I mean, they, they, it was a big thing a few years ago with mm-hmm. Goku Blanc when they brought that character back and whether, you know, people thought that I should have possibly done that particular voice and, and it, there was a lot of stuff around that, but uh, I didn't get the opportunity to do that. It, it, if they asked in, in some way, shape or form, uh, of course I would love that. Um, I love Dragon Ball Z fans. I I love going to conventions. I'm off to one in July back KamehameHon three. It, it was canceled due to pandemic, and now it's rescheduled. KamehameHon.com, uh, and you'll you'll see me as well as uh, many other actors from the series. What's the uh, uh, what's the address again? Uh, KamehameHon. KamehameHon.com. All right. And this is the third one coming up. So. That's great! Terrific. Anything uh, else we need to be looking on the out, uh, looking out for in the next few months? Yeah, I, 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 I just got news uh, like three days ago. I, I landed a a movie, and I uh, certain thing, certain gigs you get excited about, and then certain gigs you're like, uh, you kind of, kind of pinch yourself kind of excitedness and that that's what this one is for me because of who i get to work with oh good it's i'm kind of you know i'm freaking out but i'm so excited because it's it's an actor from one of my favorite shows ever that i get to work with and another actor who is uh this incredible icon of uh uh, I don't want to say Hollywood. I think that cheapens it. It's, it, it. They're an actor of just epic proportions, and they're mm. incredible. And I get to work with both of them. And I, uh, God, I'm just dying to say more. I'm, I'm, I'd love to scream this out right now, but well, but, let's let's keep your job. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there, there's that, and there's also a, a, a series that I got to do with uh, the Fairley Brothers called The Now, and okay. it was for it was for Quibi, which since fell apart. But I understand that it's being either bought out or they might be selling the, the series itself. And, Picking and it up. Um, and I'm, I hope that footage gets out because, again, I got to work with an, a pretty amazing actor as well. Okay, great. 
is it more often than not that um, the uh, the people that you look up to in the industry uh, meet your expectations? I'm sure occasionally they the they fail to. Very few times it has that happened, but um, for the most part, everybody's pretty pretty cool. Um, and one thing, uh, sorry, I forgot to mention, I, I've got a bit of a recurring thing going on on Riverdale right now. Okay, um, Sam Pansky. Sam Pansky, so Jughead's agent, Sam Pansky. I just not- got because it was one of the directors that I got to uh, work with a lot on my previous series, Beyond. And I had auditioned, and then he called me afterwards going, hey, I just saw your audition for the thing. It's, you know, I'm pushing for you. I hope you get it. And it was like, great, and I ended up getting it. And it was great because, you know, I got to draw on the New York accent. You know, it looks <laughs> like this time. And I just love going there whenever I can. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think that um, Brody's days are over with. I, I, have, <laughs> I have good feelings, you know, and I, I don't think that we've seen the last of him in physical form well so. I, I i hope not I, I it's like i say i i really hope uh fans get another stargate because like i say they they deserve it they've been patient uh they've been uh unyielding with their uh, loyalty to the to the franchise yeah. come on MGM, they fans deserve it absolutely my friend i want to really thank you for for coming on and and uh, uh lightning this weekend for us you know i'm i i'm I'm glad that you're that you're feeling better um and that uh you know physically everything's everything's working itself out there you're you're okay okay i I might as well say you there was an injury and and you're feeling better yes yes nothing life-threatening it was right thing and it's it's good and i'm feeling good good it means a lot that you came on and i appreciate you taking the time Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show here. Take that dog for a walk. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Be well, sir. Bye-bye now. You too. Peter Kalamis. Adrian, or Adam, I always want to say Adrian Brody. He's not Adrian Brody. Adam Brody on Stargate uh, Universe. Thanks so much for joining us. Our sponsor, because we are doing a giveaway is 3dtech.pro. Dial the Gate has partnered with 3dtech.pro for the month of of uh what is, this is okay, for the month of what month are we in? March to give you a chance to win your very own Atlantis Puddle Jumper and BC303. To enter to win these items, you need to use a desktop or laptop computer and visit dialthegate.com. Scroll down to submit trivia questions. Your trivia may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for a special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. We need to get back to that. There are three slots for trivia, one easy, one medium, one hard. Only one needs to be filled in, and you're more than welcome to submit up to three. Please note the submission form does not currently work for mobile devices. Trivia needs to be in before April the 1st. If you're the lucky winner, I'll be notifying you via your email to get to your address, and be sure to check out our partner's website for more Stargate-related merchandise at 3dtech.pro. And Dial the Gate is brought to you every week for free, and we do appreciate you watching. But if you want to support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. We're now offering t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages in a variety of sizes and colors at Redbubble. We currently offer four themed designs and hope to add more in the future. Uh, 
Checkout is fast and easy, and you can even use your Amazon or PayPal account. Just visit dialthegate.redbubble.com, and thanks for your support. If you like this episode, click the like button. If you enjoyed the show, click the subscribe button. If you think others will enjoy the show, please share. That's how the show grows. Uh, big thanks again to Peter Kalamis for joining us. And um, thank you to all who watched this episode and the previous episode where uh, uh, we remembered Cliff Simon. There were a lot of, of submissions uh, that were sent to me that did not make it on today. I simply did not have enough time to get through all of them. Uh, in the coming weeks, uh, I will be sharing more uh, at the end of other shows so that we can definitely be sharing uh, further memories of him as well. I did have a question submitted directly to me from Jeremy. Uh, have we reached out to Mingna? Yes, we have. Um, when the show was starting, she was still winding down from publicity for... Mulan. So I'm hopeful to be coming back around to her in the next uh, few months here to see if she'd be willing to uh, come on the show. She is just a magical human being. Absolutely amazing person. I'd love to have her on. All right. That's what we have for you for today. I appreciate you tuning again, tuning in again. And big thanks to uh, Peter Kalamis. Uh, we'll be seeing you next weekend. Uh, I have not lined up the the the, the dashboard on dialthegate.com, but it's going to be another episode of Gary Jones interviewing fans. And uh, Robert C. Cooper will be joining us uh, next weekend. It'll be a pre-recorded interview, and I'll be submitting uh, a video to the internet so you can to the YouTube feed so you can write uh, your questions to him in comments below. So Robert will be uh, uh, joining us uh, time-shifted next weekend. I think I'm interviewing him on Thursday, and the show will be Sunday. My name is David Reed. This is Dial the Gate. See you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. <laughs>